Greetings, folks. Welcome to Mental Recess, uh, the amazing podcast brought to you by yours truly, Nia. And too. <laughs> so we were in an, a really deep conversation. We're coming in this a little unconventionally because uh, prior to turning the recorder on, we were talking about the effects of social media. Two has a client or several clients um, that are... Well, I'll let her explain it, but um, I thought this was really good and super relevant, and so we wanted to kick it off and just bring you into the conversation. So, two. Yeah, so where we left off was um, we were talking about this new movie on Netflix. Um, If you have time, and I highly recommend it, and I was just telling Nia that this is something that I probably will require all new clients, all existing clients to watch uh, either by themselves or with their families. And there's a very interesting line in there. And that is what social media, these all these big companies that you can think of, we're talking about Reddit, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. What they're essentially doing is creating imperceptible behavioral changes. That means that even though you think that you have free will and you have so much control over your lives, what they actually are doing is they are in control of you. It's these imperceptible. You don't even know you're being changed and molded by it. Mm. Like your phone and the different notifications that you get, it's never regular and it's never on time. Like a casino slot machine, it's always what is called intermittent reinforcement. Mm. It sometimes comes and sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. It's so intermittent that it makes you actually want to check. It makes you want to play the slot more. In this case, it makes you want to keep checking your phone over and over and over again. Mm. These imperceptible behavioral changes are changes that are happening to you and you're not even aware that you have been changed and molded by it. Yeah, yeah. one of the things that I mentioned um, before we started recording, and I'll share a quote with you, and we'll tie this in. Uh, Shamath, the former Facebook VP of user growth, I can't even pronounce his last name, so I'm not even going to try, but first name Shamath, says the short-term dopamine-driven feedback loops that we have created are destroying how society works. No civil discourse, no cooperation, misinformation, mistruth. And how we started talking about all of this is because she was making an interesting comment about her younger clients. And I was saying that they are probably going to be her most challenging because they are the first generation brought up on social media. There is no balance to them. Uh, or at least the way that they operate is completely different from the way we operate. The way that they think, the way that they're wired is completely different mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways because their wiring started on a screen. Absolutely, for sure. <clears throat> and we may think it's just social media and how it affects us now, mm-hmm. but I was listening to NPR yesterday and I can't... Um, recall who the researcher was but it's out of i believe it's mit Mm. and he was saying even there are more relationships that are being introduced via algorithms and social media rather than through introduction but look at the long-term repercussions of that what kind of generation is going to come out of an algorithmic Mm. match Mm. interesting 
Right. So like a generation with the inability or, or they haven't learned at least to make authentic connection. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, I often notice that, yes, there is a, it's, it's more common in the lexicon now to go ahead and do online dating. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of young, very good looking people that, you know, the bar scene, the club scene can still be great ways to meet people. Mm-hmm. However, online dating may become this like later, later on resort. Mm-hmm. But what, what does that mean? Maybe people are settling more quickly. Mm-hmm. Or we also see the opposite where people are like, well, there's a huge ocean of people out here. Let me keep mm-hmm. swiping. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. fun enjoying that. Or let me have as many as I want because there's so much access mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And so it, there is so much layer upon layer and layer of behavioral change. And so that quote really spoke to me because it's saying there is no um, civil civility. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of discord. There's mm-hmm. a lot of disconnect. Um, it's eroding our society. Yeah. And if in the social dilemma, if you do watch it, you know, near the end of it, you'll see every single um, CEO, founder, co-founder of these big tech companies, Twitter, Facebook, etc. they do not actually allow their children to have a phone. Wow. Or have any kind of social media at all. That's fantastic. It's a diet of zero. Yeah. That's fantastic. If, if, if I could incorporate that, I absolutely would. I've always said, and I, for like the last five years, I have been telling my friends and different people in conversation, the only thing that has changed in our society, because everybody's always talking about, oh, things are so bad now. Things are so bad now, right? We're always hearing about how the world just feel, feels like it's getting worse. The only thing that has changed is our consumption of social media. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing that has changed. And to me, it feels flatly obvious that it is exactly what is impacting our society. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about right now, what we've, you know, the socio-political issues that we have going on in the United States. Have we gotten more racist? Or does social media make you feel like we've gotten more racist, Mm -hmm. right? Or it's one of those things where it's like, we are not really any worse off societally today in terms of our issues than we were 20 years ago. And in fact, if you really look at it, we're actually much freer. You know, there are things that have happened over the last 20 years. One major thing is gay marriage, right? Mm -hmm. This was something that it wasn't it was it was illegal right up until the last goodness gracious i don't know 10 years or so yeah you know things have changed you know there are more women in higher positions in the workplace women's salary levels are beginning to even they're starting to even and meet men's whereas you know 10 20 years ago there was a massive gap right so there's a lot of advancements that we've seen societally but social media and the way that it works and how it functions and then also the the media at large and how it operates will make you think that we're the worst. Yeah. It's um I would also add on to that not only is it social media, I also believe it's reality shows because when people look at social media or watch these reality shows, they are thinking that's the normal behavior. Mm. When I don't think 
it is at all. But if you're watching that, they're like, oh, that's how people are navigating this situation. Maybe that's how I should as well. Mm. But of course, it's over dramatized mm -hmm. for your consumption, for your interest, and to mm -hmm. keep it coming. That no, it's not actually normal. But if you've, but if the world is consuming this and seeing that as normalized behavior, mm -hmm. well, guess what? We have a huge problem on our hands. Did you ever watch the Bad Girls Club on Oxygen? I have not. Oh my God. Talk about a show way ahead of its time. So <laughs> the Bad Girls Club was a reality show on the Oxygen Network um, years ago. Like it came out I want to say it probably started in like 2005 or so and they would just get girls from all over the country it was like the real world but instead it was it was a house of all girls and all these girls were self self-proclaimed bad girls <laughs> in every single episode there was just a ridiculous amount of alcohol consumption, clubbing, sex, and fighting each other and dragging each other down the big hallways of the mansion they lived in. <laughs> okay. Every episode, every single episode, these women were dragging each other by the hair. That could make it for fun and entertainment for people. I can see that. <laughs> but it was like, it just how did we even get away with showing something like that 15 years ago? I mean, it was straight garbage, garbage television. But um, kind of interesting that, you know, the way that they behaved is sort of a, a norm for, you know, how I think a lot of reality shows kind of operate mm -hmm. now. You know, you think it sort of segued into the Jersey Shore and that was kind of what the Jersey Shore was all about. And uh, I don't even know. I don't even watch reality shows that much anymore, except for The Real Housewives. Shout out to The Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> At your girl. <laughs> but, the uh, bronze zombie on mm -hmm. Instagram. At bronze zombie. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's really interesting. So. Yeah. You know, and then obviously I see a lot of these clients, um, younger, the younger ones who, you know, purely was like, instead of like being weaned on the bottle, they were weaned on their cell phone. Yeah. Um, you know, you go to the restaurants now, right, to get their kids to shut up. It's a phone or yeah. an iPad in front of them with mm -hmm. whatever cartoon TV show. And like, you know, they're, you know, six months old who know how to navigate those things like pros. Mm -hmm. So it is. And they're coming in so lost. Yeah. Um, so unaware of how the world really works. Yeah. And, you know, where we left off without getting into too much detail is that, like, you know, dangling suicidality when they're not getting what they want, mm -hmm. um, that becomes an issue as well. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, not really being able to manage themselves and so jumping to the worst way they can handle it or the way they can get what they want, but in the real world doesn't really work out that way. You know, and the tragedy of it all, to me, the absolute tragedy of it all is that parents don't realize, what do you think is going to happen when you've raised your child on media? When your child's consumption of information and stimulation is social media, what do you think that is, what depth does that child have? What do they know? What do they feel? What do they understand about the world? 
you know, why don't, why aren't they accustomed to digging their toes in sand and grass and climbing trees and exploring creatively without something electronic in their hand? Mm -hmm. What, what type of human do you think you're forming? Mm -hmm. Because the real natural, strong human by Darwin's standards, right? is going to be one that's going to actually be out there and be gritty in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody that can sort of adapt constantly with the times. But kids raised on social media, I don't think they're learning any sort of tools or skills for adapting. Right. In fact, they seem... Sorry, no offense, you guys, but you seem so weak. It's like, you, you know, we grow up like... Uh, busting our knees and falling off of houses and, you know, jumping on trampolines and kneeing ourselves in the nose and getting bloody noses and building forts out of whatever bullshit we can find in our house and, you know, riding miles on our bikes around neighborhoods and just all these things, right? Interacting with the world at large. Mm -hmm. And then a kid today is like, you took my iPad away. I want to die. I mean, like, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> so it's just, to me, it just feels like the way that kids are being raised now on screens right. is, is really hurting them. It is hurting them. You know, I actually, as you were talking, made me had this image that, you know, going back to that saying, the imperceptible behavioral changes, because they're so used to seeing a screen. Well, I don't know if they've even opened their eyes and looked up at the world because what I imagine mm. is really going on is that they're also filming themselves on screen. So they're still looking mm. at a screen and be like, look at this world, look at, you know, the highlights of my world. It's like, do you really experience the world That's true. as it is uh, versus seeing it on versus like, you know, mm -hmm. trying to show the world what you are seeing, but it's not really what you're seeing. Yeah. Like I'm often amazed. Like I love going to concerts when concerts were available and, you know, my sister and I would be dancing and singing along, but everyone is like yeah. closing up their screen, phone up, f looking through the phone at the concert. Yeah. Which I tried it once for a minute mm -hmm. and it's a whole different experience. Yes. Everything feels smaller. It yep. feels fake. It, you know, right. like, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It, it, it feels felt... 2D. I mean, it just doesn't, <laughs> like, you know? I mean, it's just, you, you're like, uh, you're you're like a degree removed from the actual experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. We, do you recall that um, saying it's like, you know, like seven degrees of separation? Mm -hmm. You might find your loved ones or your significant other or mm. you know the people you end up meeting you're like oh wow it's just by that degree yes. well that's our generation wanting to be closer and hopefully removing those degrees of separation yeah. it's interesting because what's going on now is they're adding mm. that degree of separation and maybe that is what is attributing to the discord the disconnect the lack of community and connection and getting along. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. You know what I find is really interesting? We talked about this on the last uh, podcast, but I do find it really interesting that even though teenagers in, in I'm going to stop it at like age 21. I'll stop it there because I would say that people up to the age of 21 were probably raised on screens as well. Um, yes, I would agree so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Like, if you were just born in year 2000, like, you were raised on a screen. 
So what's really interesting is we're starting to hear about teenagers experiencing depression right now, like higher levels of depression Mm -hmm. during COVID and not being able to go to school. Well, the one thing that they do have during this time is their beloved screens, right? They have their computers and their phones and they've been heavy online, Mm -hmm. but they're still becoming depressed. So again, it goes to show you that human connection and actually being out in the world and interacting with our environments is so important. Mm -hmm. And they may not do it that much, but now that they can't do it at all, they're feeling that heat. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. You're right on because in the uh, Social Dilemma movie, it is saying since the advent of social media, um, self-harm Mm-hmm. has increased and what was alarming to me listening and watching as a therapist was the suicidality rates increased by 141 percent yep i believe it i absolutely that, believe it that statistic was mind-blowing yep. to me and because you know the the hour session that they get with me and me competing with a screen mm-hmm. that they have for i'm talking about maybe six to eight hours a day yep I literally am pushing a boulder or let's say I'm really pushing your psyche up the mountain. And you know what? Yeah. I shouldn't need to work as hard as you're willing to work. Yeah. You know, the client needs to be all in and willing to do that. Mm -hmm. Can't be there to live their lives for them. And so it feels at times it can be a little discouraging. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. God, that, that, that is discouraging and that makes me sad, but I, you know, it's a direct correlation and I hope one day people will wake up to it. You know, the pendulum doesn't always stay too far to one side, right? And so while this generation, um, behind us are, while they're struggling so hard with depression, while they've made it trendy to self-harm, Um, while they find their entire source of entertainment online, hopefully as they age and as they mature, they'll see the harm that it does, Mm -hmm. you know, or at least maybe they'll have a little insight, um, to how a lot of that isn't, isn't productive for them. That is the one thing that actually does encourage me because while there are difficult teenagers being, uh, raised on screens, there's also another crop that I see where... Ooh, um, tell me about them. I didn't know there was <laughs> another crop at all. Tell me. Um, but the ones who are raised on screen, they are also maturing much more quickly. I am often surprised at some of my... The ones clients, who aren't? Who are. Okay. They still are. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 12, 13-year-olds who are very aware of the pink tax, you know, because the, the, mm-hmm. that women pay so much more for our livelihoods and still get paid a little bit less than men... And, you know, they're very astute about what's going on in the world. They are aware of, you know, Black Lives Matter and the protests and how much they want to participate in it and how much they're doing a part for all of this. And so there's the other side where they are utilizing the Internet or their screens as a tool to be proactive, to inform themselves. And so they are actually able to grow quicker so that's mm. the one thing I feel incredibly encouraged about mm. that I think should they look into it and are resourceful, mm-hmm. they can find the tools to grow up faster and wake up to the reality that, hey, 
maybe this isn't so healthy for me. Mm-hmm. And then in the same vein, it makes me go back to that imperceptible behavior changes. Yeah. They don't even know. They don't. Right. That's the other thing is if you're raised on something, right? I mean, <clears throat> when you're raised with something, how do you know that that something is bad? It's all you know. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's kind of the flip side of that coin is will they grow up and see, wow, social media has completely hurt me or rewired me in so many different ways that it hasn't affected previous generations. Like, will they even know that? Do they even know that there's an alternative way of relating to the world? Right. And, you know, people over and over and over again talk about a little bit like our age or a little bit older. They know it's, you know, uh, parental systems and sayings and teachings that really have ingrained in them. Mm -hmm. Well, for these kids, it'll be, you know, their parents, mm-hmm. but also it will be social media, the third parent. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. This is a also relevant topic because September is Suicide Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, it's interesting. I have never known anybody who's committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Have you ever met anybody? I've been very blessed in my practice. No one has ever committed suicide that I've worked with. Um, But I know of other therapists who have shared that, you know, clients have Mm. taken their lives um, during the work together. Oh, wow. You know, I don't know if it had happened to me, where I'd be or what I would be thinking. it hasn't happened yet, but you know, I don't doubt that if I do this for the next 50 years, which I'm sure I can, that it may happen in my lifetime. I'm not immune. Yeah. I'm not any better mm-hmm. than any other therapist out there that I'm like, oh, gonna be able to treat all my clients and yeah. they won't hurt themselves. And I think the biggest work for, uh, as, as a professional, as a therapist, is to not f- have to take so much responsibility and take it so personally because I, I know yeah. it would take, it, I think it would take a toll on me. Mm-hmm. It would hit me pretty hard because I'm very selective about the clientele that I choose to work with and that I feel, you know, optimistic yeah. that we can do really good work together, that they could heal. Um, and, you know, should that happen, mm-hmm. that would be really, really painful for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. I, I think I care deeply, um, maybe a little bit unhealthily too much mm. for all of my clients and their well-being. And, yeah, I haven't experienced that but you know what's really interesting in the last um two weeks or so you know i met a a good friend of the same background as myself who had two in the family and i had two suicides yeah wow and i also had uh, another inquiry same kind of thing but also two in the family yeah and so i haven't done the background research on it but it's gotten me thinking about how, like alcoholism, mm-hmm. can it run in the family? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, what's interesting is on my dad's side of the family, I believe nearly all the men struggled with depression. 
Mm-hmm. And he came from a family of 13 siblings. Wow. Yeah. And huge. I thought my family was big. That's huge. Yeah. 13 siblings. And none of the men were immune from, from depression. Mm-hmm. None of them killed themselves, um, thankfully. But they all really struggled with it. So I imagine that suicide ideation could probably... Mm-hmm. run in the family depending on how I don't know you know what what kind of or what kind of depression they struggle with who knows so. right mm-hmm. when I treat people with depression suicidal ideation may be actually be a more common thing mm. and when I hear that yes I am concerned but ideation to me is a little bit fine mm. because some of us have the passive like, oh, it'd be nice if I wasn't here anymore. So I don't have to deal with X, Y, Z situation or, mm. you know, it'd be nice just to go to sleep and never wake up. Very common. Mm. But what's more concerning to the professional ears if they have a plan and if they have a means to do that, like access to weapons or guns, um, so on and so forth. Mm. Right. That's where it becomes concerning that, you know, we as mandated reporters do need to do something about it. And I tell parents, because I'm an outpatient therapist, I can't be there all the time. Mm -hmm. If it gets to that point, please call 911. Please 5150 them. It's better to put them through that than have somebody that's dead. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead, call 911, make sure that they're safe. And then, you know, give me a call. Mm -hmm. I may not be able to pick up because I may be in another session, but let me know. Mm -hmm. I think I still want to know. I still want to know, you know, where I can come in and provide the best quality of care. If that means, hey, let's get them something that's a little bit more intensive than myself. But the ideation it's actually fairly common. The mm. plan and the means is the concern. Oh, that's good to other. hear. I mean, well, not good to hear, but you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. good to know, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, because I'm sure that a lot of people, boy, especially this year, have probably struggled with that or have had those thoughts. And then maybe those thoughts alone make them think, oh my God, I'm completely, <laughs> I'm doomed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If it's relatively normal for most people to think at certain points, then yeah. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who are listening, if this becomes a common pattern, maybe you want to get yourself into therapy for those thoughts. Mm -hmm. Because why are they showing up? Mm. What's going on that it becomes um, more relevant in your life or if it becomes even recurrent at all? Even though you might not be thinking of how or why or you have a lot of things to live for, Mm -hmm. why are they cropping up? And that would, I would highly recommend going to therapy or talking to somebody about that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And last thing is don't go to your friends talking about that. Like, <laughs> well, it, apparently because it's trendy now, like what the fuck? What is <laughs> up with that? Like, I can't even tell you. It's like kids cut for fun now. You know, there's all these videos online. Like, mm-hmm. oh, look at how cool. You know, some of them, oh, look how hot this is, right? Like, mm-hmm. I made myself bleed. Like, that's, it's a, it's trendy? <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. I feel like Michelle, uh-huh. Michelle Obama said it best. She goes, if and whenever you get your period, you come to me. If you tell other 12-year-old girls who also have their period, like, what do they really know? Mm. And so the same message yes. I want to give to you guys, you know, yeah, you might think it's hot. You might mm-hmm. think it's trendy. They might egg you on. Please seek professional help. And 
if you are younger, mm-hmm. tell your parents like, hey, can I talk to somebody? Mm-hmm. Can I get some help to talk to somebody? Because I don't, you know, I don't want to burden you. Let a professional deal with it. Yeah. We are trained for this stuff. Yep. It's funny that so you mentioned about you know talking to your peers about it. <clears throat> don't do it. Do you did you hear about that case out of what? I believe it was either Maryland or Pennsylvania. Michelle, mm, what was her last name? I feel like she had like a French last name. She was 15 or 16 at the time, and she was dating a boy. And he was texting and calling her, talking about how he wanted to commit suicide. And this is her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they were like on and off or something. There was some kind of relationship between them. She encouraged him to kill himself. Oh my gosh. She she actually, through text messages, kept pushing him and saying, just do it already. Mm-hmm. Be brave and do it. Do it. Do it. And he went into the car, into his into his garage. And he uh, killed himself with carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh, my goodness. You know, while she was on the other side of the phone texting him and encouraging him to do it. That breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. And so she was 15 or 16 at the time. He was the same age. And so she ended up getting put on trial for that. But... um, Did she get committed? No. I think it was... was absolutely ridiculous i would have to i need to look at the case again but she actually only got like a year or something probation like she got off so easy so easy um wow yeah but the judge was super harsh on her Mm -hmm. you know i it went to jury and or a jury trial and they had you know found her not guilty of, of whatever the charges were because she was a minor or they didn't feel like she was guilty at all they didn't feel like she was guilty at all. Yeah. Based on based on certain laws and what it actually means to, you know, to aid in, you know, uh, I don't even know what, what is that manslaughter? I don't even know what, hmm. what would be applicable. But the judge was clearly pretty pissed. And he was like, but you were negligent. Good on that judge. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, because what you didn't do is you didn't call somebody for help. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. Like, if you are in a toxic relationship and they are threatening that, therefore you're staying, first of all, recognize that you're in a toxic relationship and get out. Mm -hmm. And secondly, if you are so afraid they are going to take their lives, you know, tell your parents. Yeah. To get that this is happening, that they can talk to your your significant other's parents. Yeah. Or if you feel brave enough to do it yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. You need to let somebody know and then you peacefully and gracefully exit because you did everything that you could. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was sharing with you earlier when I was 14 years old, I was in a relationship with a guy. He was 17 and um, he was, he became increasingly violent in our relationship. Oh no. And it got to a point where, you know, it was like little things like he would hit me with like backpacks and like a wooden brush that he had or like one time he got so mad that he squeezed my arms really hard like he was just holding me and squeezing me and squeezing my waist you know oh my god 
and yeah. <laughs> it makes you sad to hear this. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like sad for the 14 year old you. Oh my God. But listen though, because nobody squeezes the daughter of a naval officer. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like I put up with it for some time because I considered him to be like my first love and I felt responsible momentarily for his well-being because every time I would try to break up with him he would scream and he would cry and he would say no please don't leave me and then this 14 year old has never experienced rejection and he could not handle it yeah yeah I mean I probably was you know his second girlfriend I think he dated like one other girl before me and I don't even know what happened with that Mm -hmm. but he um you know, he would flip out, but I mean, you're talking, I'm talking full waterworks, which would break my heart. You know, he's my boyfriend, so I'd be like, all right, I'll stay. And then he would, you know. You were manipulated by the tears. Completely. And then he started threatening to kill himself. And so I'm like, all right, I'll stay. You know, but it never got any better, of course, because he was an abuser. And then finally, he was just like, I'm going to kill myself. And I'm walking away. And I never told him not to. I never said anything. But I just said, I'm fucking done. In my mind, then do it. You know what? I'm out. Like, I'm out. I'm not putting up with this anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I called the police to inquire about how to get a restraining order because he would go to these lengths of, you know, stalking me at the time we were not at the same school. And he would show up and he would stand a distance away and just watch me. And it was really creepy. But That's like unnerving. you said, it was totally unnerving. You know, he threatened like some of my guy friends. And so, you know, when you talk about doing what you need to do right to get help, you know, I wanted to, I, I wanted to put in place what I needed to put in place because I knew he wasn't going to make it easy for me, but I knew I couldn't go back. Yeah. You know, so yeah, my 14-year-old self was a little traumatized at the time, but I was also strong enough to be like, this is some bullshit and I'm out. So <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not dealing with this anymore. And the fact that you recognized it. Yeah, which is mm-hmm. the other thing, you know, heartbreaking for girls who end up in those kind of violent situations and continue to put up with that sort of treatment because mm-hmm. of those waterworks, because of the, I love you, don't mm-hmm. leave me, you know, and they don't have that mm-hmm. wherewithal to pick it up and go. Yeah. And then there are some girls who I, I've shared with you who they think that I can fix this. Right. That I'm going to help them not commit suicide. Therefore, I'm going to stay. And it's like, yeah, no, you're not. Yep. That's it's right. It's not going to change. And you're not, not omnipotent. You're not you, God. It's not going to change. Yep. And it doesn't matter what age you are. Mm-hmm. You will never fix your partner. You will never fix your partner. Like yeah, you'll never fix them. That's right. Louder in the back. You'll never fix your partner. Save if you're for the seats all the way. Yes. <laughs> you won't fix them. If they have a problem that they think they have and they want to get help, then they will do that. But you won't fix anybody. Yeah. On the flip side of it, you want to be with someone that you just being yourself, your ambition, you doing your thing makes them want to be a better person. That's right. That's not you fixing them. That's That's right. That's them being inspired by you. Yes. Yes. Relationships are about inspiration and love and support, but you cannot fix somebody. Mm-mm. Not it, especially those toxic situations. So don't pick the bad guy. Yeah, don't pick the bad guy. 
Come on. <laughs> There's plenty of good guys out here. Oh, yeah. There I are know plenty. so many amazing, like, bachelors and bachelorettes, but for some reason, I can't. I can't match them. All right, we're off topic, but anyway. <laughs> You're the one degree of separation from them. I'm telling you, but I'm like, you know, thinking about compatibility, and I'm like, I can't figure out how to make any of these work. <laughs> anyway, whatever. It's All even right. harder during COVID time, huh? It is, that's for sure. Well, anyways, yeah. I mean, needless to say, know that you are being influenced, and as much as I watch these shows or, you know, read these books, like something I often notice and I'm, I feel like I'm begging for is what are the tools? Mm -hmm. So just through my own research and a compilation, a lot of, of a lot of these things is first of all, give yourself a social media diet. Yes. And if that means you check, you know, for one hour of that day at a very particular time, well, guess what? Instead of it training you on this intermittent casino, you're saying, hey, mm. I'm going to go and I'm going to pull this slot for a whole, just one hour and that's it. So same thing for social media. Decide what hour that's going to be for you yeah. and just leave it to that hour. Mm -hmm. Another thing is turn off notifications mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because that kind of like, oh, when's the next one? When's the next one? You don't know. That's that, again, that's that intermittent reinforcement that's mm -hmm. going on, right? Um, another thing that comes to my mind is if you must have it, whether because it's work and all of those things, is to, um, I James Clear is someone who I really look up to. He wrote Atomic Habits. And I believe what he does is his first home screen has no apps you have to scroll two or three screens to be able to get to all of those. Oh, that's good. To those apps, so you actually don't see it immediately in mm -hmm. front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. I should do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, what else? Uh, recognize that you have to always be critically thinking, because even though there's like Facebook or Twitter now labeling things as fake news, mm -hmm. the ones that aren't labeled you assume that it's truth but the yes. algorithm hasn't probably caught up to all of that so you still need to look at things with a critical eye like it's yeah it's not going to be um that quick and you know i feel like there's a downside to it because in behavioral training they always say punishment needs to be very consistent mm. over and over and over again so what I imagine for these algorithmic kind of things to work is if it's not consistent that all fake news gets labeled as that, the the issue is that it doesn't become that much of a threat anymore, right? The mm -hmm. punishment. So the same thing here. Oh, the algorithm begins to start learning that I don't really know what to label. I don't mm -hmm. know what to believe, right? So they start pushing their limits because with our mind and the idea of negativity bias, we look for the bad things, right. but at the same time, we also look for novelty. So fake news or things that are outlandish becomes mm -hmm. that novel thing that our mind is looking for. So keep, right. keep looking at things with a very, very critical eye and ear. Yep. That's right. And that and that just goes back to like the point I was making that social media makes you feel like the world is worse because what is even by its own algorithm what is put out there the the articles that are shared or you know sponsored or whatever it's it's novelty negative like stuff. It's just mm -hmm. it's you, I mean every day you're reading wacky shit 
you know, you don't know if it's true or not, but you take it at face value and believe that it is. Yeah. And I think that these are the things that make us feel like, oh my God, the world's falling apart. Mm -hmm. But it's not. It's the way that things are presented to us that mm -hmm. makes it feel like it's falling apart. Because it's the modern day, you know, saber-toothed tiger running after you, right? Mm. I feel really unfortunate. I can't uh, figure out or to quote the study, but I believe it's like in a, a sea of like a thousand faces and all of them angry and one happy. We actually see only all the angry. Mm. But if the reverse were true, a thousand happy faces and one angry, we actually zero in on the angry face because mm. it's a biological mechanism where mm. we're like, hey, that one's not happy. Let's mm. fight, flight, or freeze because we need to save ourselves. Interesting. Well, I believe that same mechanism is happening with social media. 100%. It's our modern day biological, oh, do I need to fight, flight, or freeze? 100%. I noticed that more articles that are posted by news, so I follow all these different news outlets. I don't watch them all the time, but. Um, when they post things, I notice that the negative stories always have a significant amount of more responses than the positive stories. So, you know, it just goes to show what's catching people's eye, mm -hmm. you know, and what people want to respond to or mm -hmm. take in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know his name, but do you know who the creator of BuzzFeed is? Mm -mm, I don't. Okay. I want to look him up, but I'm sure you guys can look him up. He'll probably have like a huge like spike after mm -hmm. listening to this um, podcast <laughs> or this episode. But I believe before he created BuzzFeed, he was really into virology, mm. but like seeing how things go viral. Oh. And so mm. not surprising he created BuzzFeed mm -hmm. because it's about viral content, mm -hmm. right? And I definitely am someone who does unfortunately click on to clickbait. Because it's like, you know, 25 things that's normal yeah. or like, you know, 15 things that will make your life better. Yeah. I click on all those things. Oh, yeah. That's clickbait definitely gets me, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but it's about, yeah, mm. what are what is viral, right? Yep. It's these new and novel things. Yep. And yeah, it's like we need more challenges in life. And so, you know, the things that are new and and challenging that people are, are looking for. And trust me, life is challenging enough. It's hard to live. Like, don't go seek that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> Cut the drama out of your life. Pour, pour up a glass of wine and be kind to people and work hard. That's it. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> Uh, you know that shirt that's like uh, rest on or carry on? Do you know what that is? Oh yes, keep calm and carry on. Keep calm and carry on. Well, <laughs> I like your new slogan. Pour a glass of wine and be kind. Yes, wine and kind. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, let's wrap it up. This has been really awesome. I feel like we could talk forever on this topic. Um, but uh, we only have so much time and so do you. So thank you for listening today and remember to find us on Instagram uh, at mental underscore recess and also on Facebook. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Alrighty. Ciao.